Welcome to Happily Ever After is just the beginning. Keeping your relationship not just together, but happy, and we mean truly happy, is part art and part science. You've come to the right place. Here's your host, Leslie Dorries. Trauma. What does that word mean to you? Well, when I looked it up, the first definition I found was a deeply distressing or disturbing experience. And the word trauma is actually a translation from the Greek word for wound. But who's to define what is a deeply distressing or disturbing experience? Many of us think it's things like war or a death or a severe car accident. But is that really all it is? And how does experiencing trauma play out in your life and in your relationship? Well, this topic has come up for me with many of my clients who were themselves abused in some way or their partners were. And I've even run up against it in my own life. And while I only have a very limited view of what it is, I do know that it can have a big impact on marriages. So... I've asked Irene Lyon to come on for a two-episode show to talk about trauma. She's a nervous system specialist and a somatic neuroplasticity expert. And wow, that's a mouthful. And I actually know what some of that means. So Irene, thanks for coming on the show and talking about what I think in this wonderful year of 2020, many people are experiencing various and sundry forms of trauma, even if they wouldn't necessarily call it that, but mm-hmm. I know that you would. So, yeah. What is that? So, so here, here, here in your, in your you know, 25 words or less, I'm joking. <laughs> what exactly is trauma? Well, I think, um, and thanks, Leslie, and I'm so glad to be here an honor um i you know your definition that you pulled out um from the greek is pretty accurate you know you mentioned it's a wound and mm-hmm. um trauma you know we can define it in many ways but in my line of work working with the body and the nervous system really this somatic perspective um and soma comes from greek meaning body it's anything bad that happens to us that puts our system into some form of distress that doesn't end. In other words, stress isn't the bad thing, right? Um, right. We need positive stress. And, and I can get a, you know, even today I was <laughs> putting a, a, using a curling iron on my, on my hair and I burned, I'm sure women that have used curling irons or men, sometimes you'll burn yourself, right? And I had a little, ow, and that was stressful. Yeah. It hurts. Mm-hmm. Um, and as we get talking on this episode of the next one, how we deal with that stress, how we feel it, how we take it in, how we acknowledge it will greatly determine whether or not that incident, that event ends up being traumatic. So in our mm-hmm. definition, in, in my field, trauma is not in the event per se. It's in, the, it's in our nervous system. It's in our cells. It's in our organs. It's in our tissues. It's in how we relate to others, the environment, ourselves. So it's not so much about the event that occurred. It's how it's impacting our physiology and how our physiology and our body interacts with the environment. 
And that's a really interesting idea because I think when we think mm-hmm. about PTSD, PTSD coming out yes. of war is one of those common things. And so it sort of is this idea, how can some people experience war and be relatively okay? I'm not going to say that they're not impacted by <laughs> yeah. it in any way, because yeah. I don't think you can go through that. Yeah. But, but, but some no. people are more, are more seriously impacted than other mm-hmm. people. And so, I, so mm-hmm. what I'm hearing you say is that that can be due to their own different experiences, the way each person's body reacts to it. A hundred percent. And one of my, yeah. And, and you know, the, the classic definition of PTSD, post-traumatic stress disorder, it really came out of, and my history is not 100% accurate, but it was as a result of post-war. And I think if I can recall, mm-hmm. it was Vietnam, whereas shell shock mm-hmm. is what was talked about more after World War One, And um, the thing that's important to understand is that that kind of trauma, while it happens a lot to many people, men and women all around the world, all the wars that we have fought and won and ended, et cetera, that's common, but it's not as common as the daily stuff that happens in regular, and I say that with air quotes, (laughs) regular (laughs) civilized society. And I always, when I teach this stuff new to people, which I'm doing right now for your audience, I always give a scenario. And what we see in my practice and my colleagues' practices, and I've heard this, you know, probably hundreds of times from all my students, is someone will be going along in life seemingly fine, and uh-huh. then they have a really big, a big event that occurs, like a car accident or a loved one dies or they lose a job or something occurs that is out of their control. And uh-huh. one person might have this out-of-control event occur and they walk away just fine. They have no post-traumatic stress. They have no physical symptoms afterwards, um, no anxieties. They just bounce back like really quickly. And then we might have another person. I often call that person, person B, and they Uh have the exact same identical event. I always use the example of a really simple car accident. Not that all Uh car accidents are simple, but like a fender bender where no one is hurt, just a Uh little bump don't even need to go to the insurance agency. But person B walks away from the exact same fender bender as person A, but they, their life unravels. They end up with anxiety. They end up not being able to sleep. They end up with what we would call post-traumatic stress. Um, Uh And then let's just say their gut function, like their digestion starts to go off. They might get chronic pain. They might be afraid to leave the house because, oh my God, the last time I was out, something bad happened. We would then put that definition into more like a complex post-traumatic stress pattern. But the Uh difference between person A and person B, when we look back into their history, it's not about the event. And this is where that definition of trauma isn't so much in the event, it's in the body, uh-huh. it's in the nerves, in the cells. If we look at person's B, person B's history, we will inevitably find a lot of stored stress, a lot of early adversity, a lot uh-huh. of them not knowing how to express their emotions, um, them not being authentic, um, having to take care of a family, have a job, go, 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 um, and not realizing the kind of building up 
of layers of internal stress, emotion, denying their physical body's needs. You know, this is so rampant right. in our society, not mm-hmm. just this year, but for decades oh, yeah. and decades <laughs> and decades. Um, and so they didn't realize, I often use a, a, an image of a glass that's full with water and mm-hmm. you just can't put any more in the glass. And so that little fender bender, while it didn't hurt them physically, it was like the thing that broke the glass and the water just spilled out everywhere. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah just kind of sent them over the edge. Well, I mean, this is really yeah. interesting because I had some exposure um, in, in my work with, with a woman named Pia Melody who did a – I didn't work with her. I just read one of her books. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. Um, she works with trauma, and she was talking about – mini trauma and major trauma and sometimes it's called little p trauma and big t trauma and people you know and and i know people like compare their traumas right yeah (laughs) yeah Yeah. which 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 i'm i'm learning is probably not a helpful way to think about it i think that's one of the things i learned from one of your courses is that it's not Mm -hmm. helpful to separate it out that way just like in the description you were talking about person a and person b but yeah. are there are there different kinds of trauma or level of trauma mm-hmm. out there? That's a great question. And I'm not a big lover of the whole little T, big T, because we tend to classify the big T's as war. I'll, I'll just name some of them, right? And this is by no means a, an exhaustive list, but war, natural disaster, um, physical attack, sexual attack, um, uh, you know, big, big accidents where we're in a hospital bed, um, all these things that are like real big shocks to the system. And they are definitely big traumas. But what's interesting is we, as, as I've done my work and as I've learned and, you know, gotten to know my students and clients over the years, if a little one, and I'm going to paint the picture, if a child is at home with mom and dad, and mom and dad are really good to the child, but they are fighting all the time. Mm -hmm. Or if mom is mentally unwell or has her own physical illness, or, Mm -hmm. you know, if if there's something going on in in the home life that is not allowing that little person to be who they are and to just be chill and regulated and, having fun as a kid and playing, if anything is keeping them from expressing their true authenticity, um, we classify that right now as a little T, as a little trauma. But Mm -hmm. if you think about it, usually if that little one is in that kind of environment, that doesn't just happen for one hour on a Saturday night in November. You know, it's, it's like the car accident would happen maybe one rainy night in November that little person is being exposed to that level of stress in their environment probably every day to some degree. And Mm -hmm. if it was there when they were five, it was probably there when they were four and three and two and one, and maybe even when they were in utero, right, when they were in mom's tummy. Mm -hmm. And so they're getting this shock, this stress, this unsafety. That's really the key word here. They don't Mm -hmm. feel safe. And there's some pretty compelling research, um, which is called the ACE study, the Adverse Childhood Experiences Study, that has been an uh-huh. ongoing study since the late 80s. 
And they have found with kind of without a shadow of a doubt, it's almost fact-based now because it's so conclusive and they've replicated the study all around the world, different countries, different people, that when there is adversity and high levels of stress when we're young, it will, if you don't heal that stuff and if you don't work on it actively as an adult, we Mm -hmm. will get sick in some way, whether it's a chronic illness, an autoimmune illness, a mental illness, Mm -hmm. an addiction um, relational relational problems, it has really shown that early wiring when we're young. If that isn't good, in my opinion, and in what this research is showing and what my peers and colleagues are showing, and it's showing up in my client base, that, that environment when we were young, if it's like that, that is the biggest T ever. And to take that one step further... It's that kind of environment, that dysregulation, that fear, that stress, that I can't be who I am. That's what fills up our cup. If I go back to the example of the car accident in person A and person Mm -hmm. B. Interestingly enough, and I can't, I'm not good at uh, remembering research studies, but I do know when I was training that there is a higher level of folks who enter into the military who come from an early trauma background. And the reason why we, we think is because if you didn't have safety and security, um, good boundaries, if things were very um, unexpected, you didn't know what was going to happen in your day-to-day life as a child, as a, you know, and as a teenager, mm-hmm. that little one is craving structure. They're craving a place that's safe where they know what happens every day. And mm-hmm. I know a few. I know quite a few people who were in the military. Um, that's what you do when you right. enlist, when you enroll, right? <laughs> you, you have a job, you have a roof, you're told what to do. It's very structured. And uh-huh. also, depending on where you are, comes with high risk. And when we are little and we're in that environment, it's risky. And so it's like our system is wanting this, right, this, this control uh-huh. and the structure, but we're also uh-huh. wired for unsafety. See where that, we see where that goes. And so, when you think about, you know, you mentioned PTSD and, and war and veterans, mm-hmm. it's like we're, we're starting out in a situation that already is the cup is full. And then you That's put a- people into, you know, you put people into the situation, they see bad stuff, they do bad stuff, it doesn't feel good to yeah. them, and it's just opening up the wounds, to go back to that Greek word, that right. were probably not fully healed in the first place. Right, and this this is bringing up a, something that that I know in the field of both you know child development, parenting, relation relational mm-hmm. work, is that it, it's sort of you know we've done a lot of studies about what's the ideal kind of parenting, and yes. you know we have you have mm-hmm. the authoritarian my way the highway parenting you have the um, <laughs> completely permissive like yeah do whatever you want like you know kind yeah. of thing. Yep. And, and both of those are problematic because one has no structure and one mm-hmm. has just like you, both, both kind of scary structure. And we find Militant. that the best yep. pairing thing is, is the authoritative where you have structure but, free, you know, but freedom in interaction. So, so, and, and I never connected that, but, but that's actually helping the children feel safe and secure Yes. And, and being, you know, so that they're not in these extremes, of, which, is where the, which is where the trauma impact comes in. A hundred percent. And 
You know, I, I always use this example, so I'll use another one of my metaphors. <laughs> but if you think about, um, you know, humans are animals, right? We, we, we are mammals, but we're also human. Yeah. And what makes us human is this very complex, you know, higher brain. Whenever I say that, I put my hands on my head and I thank my brain <laughs> for being healthy, right? I know that's mm-hmm. one of your questions um, coming up. But so we're so complex because we're not just animal-based. So if we think about a bear, I'm in Canada, a bear in the mm-hmm. Canadian wild and a bear in the, up in Russia, in Russia you know, and, and mm-hmm. over there on the other side of the pond, when a, when a mother bear has her cubs, she isn't thinking, am I going to be an authoritative parent? Am I going to be a living <laughs> bear parent? What kind of right. parents am I going to, let's go, let's go get a few books and read mm-hmm. how I want to, you know, maybe I'll be attuned. They'll be attuned parenting. <laughs> and it's just, it, when you look at it that way, animals in the wild, I'm very specific because when they're not in the wild, they get shifted it's, by our yeah. domestication, right? But mm-hmm. animals in the wild, you know, birds, they, uh, bears, uh, wolves, lions, you know, they protect and they teach, you know, they're, they're going to defend their young and they're going to teach them how to find food, how to do the things they have to do. And there's no script. It's just written in their DNA. What's interesting is that humans, Mm -hmm. when we're regulated and we are attuned to ourselves and we understand the complexity of this thing, which is a human being, um, we treat them really well. We know how to have boundaries. We know how to listen to the different cries. Is that a hunger cry? Mm-hmm. Is that a fever mm-hmm. cry? Is that an untired cry? Is that a, uh, I have, you know, I need to go to the bathroom. Is it a gas cry? That level mm-hmm. of attunement is the beginning dance between the, the mama human and the baby human so that that baby human can learn how to feel themselves and trust themselves. And we're in a a, weird, yeah, go ahead. ahead. That's a really interesting aspect. Please don't let me forget about that because that, wow, that I know we may not get to today, but I definitely want to get to it because what you just said was so powerful. But I need to remind people that this is Happily Ever After. (laughs) It's just the beginning on webtalkradio.net. Yes. I'm Leslie Dories, and I'm talking about trauma and its impact with nervous system specialist and somatic neuroplasticity expert, Irene Lyon. And the truth is, as you're learning, trauma is much more common than most of us think. And too often it gets downplayed or worse, pushed down or away. But as the title of a book by Bessel van der Kolk states, the body keeps the score. And as Irene's been talking about, many of us have had some trauma in our lives. And normally at this point in the show, I offer a strategy session, but I'm not going to do that today. But I do want to say that if you do want more information about trauma and its influence in your life and on your marriage, please send me an email and I will share resources with you. So you can send me an email at Leslie, L-E-S-L-I, at foundationscoachingnc.com, that's F-O-U-N-D-A-T-I-O-N-S, N is in Nancy, C is in charlie.com, and I want to get back to talking to Irene about this really important topic. So, you know, we're talking about trauma, and we're talking about, you know, how people think about it, and so what are 
some kinds of common misunderstandings people have about trauma. And, and mm-hmm. I know the next show we're going to be talking about how to recover from it, but I guess that's part of it, is, is what, are some, what are some of the things that people think about, about recovering from it or not recovering from it or however anybody wants to talk about that? <laughs> yeah, it's a big topic because the first sort of step is understanding what trauma is, and we've, we've lightly touched on that. And that, you know, it doesn't show up in that kind of that that image of post-traumatic stress where we're constantly being triggered and we're mm-hmm. waking up attacking our partner in our sleep. And while that definitely does happen, um, the thing, the, the, one of the biggest misunderstandings, I think, is that it can show up in a myriad of ways. So mm-hmm. someone who, let's say, had emotional abuse so that you know let's just say again little person is growing up and they're being Mm -hmm. yelled at by their parent who is in their own trauma response because basically we have to understand if we are hurting another person if we are abusing anyone emotionally physically verbally sexually if we're we're doing something to someone and it's not okay we're Mm -hmm. doing that because we have our own stuff that we're not dealing with right? Humans right. inevitably, inherently, we are not born evil. And I firmly believe that as oh, we I look at too. the research and, and like, you know, we're molded, we're, we're wired, we're modeled by what we see. And so, and what happens to us and what's in our vicinity. Mm-hmm. So to understand that it, it shows up in really interesting ways. And I quoted the ACE study a little moment ago, but someone who has the emotional abuse, verbal abuse growing up, we think because it is talk-based and it's going into our brain that that might create a mental illness or an emotional problem, right? Or a mental Mm -hmm. problem. But we've seen that that kind of emotional verbal abuse, it's impacting the entire physiology, those fight, flight, freeze responses that are embedded in our autonomic nervous system, right? The Mm -hmm. the automatic thing that protects us. And so we can actually end up with something like an autoimmune illness, like fibromyalgia or chronic pain or um, like a gut problem like IBS or Crohn's or uh-huh. um, migraine, migraine headaches or reproductive, yeah. you know, hormonal problems. So, so the, the, the system, and if everyone just kind of thinks about their whole body system, that's fight flight patterning that we need like we need to jump away if the the knife falls to our feet you know or uh-huh. grab our kids you know if we look like a, a dog's about to come and get them like we go into action mode really quickly without thinking that same part of our nervous system governs all of our physiological internal systems like the immune system the hormonal system the gut system the cardiovascular system I mentioned mm-hmm. that because heart disease, heart disease, which is like a huge problem in the Western world, it is connected also to this early adversity and this early stress that never gets healed. Yeah. So I, to go back to the question, the misunderstanding is that it, it, it's, oh, it's only like this. It's only post-traumatic stress. But actually, mm-hmm. most, Leslie, most of the ailments, the chronic conditions, that we see at least in the, uh, you know, the West, I don't even like calling that anymore, but Western right. <laughs> civilization, civilized world, 
um, mm-hmm. are, are traced, are traced back to these early wirings that were never properly wired up with safety <sighs> and connection and love and boundaries and, you know, just that goodness that we all deserve. Right. Um, yeah, I'm sorry. You're, you're, you're sending me into flashbacks with parenting my children and I'm quite, oh my gosh. <laughs> um, but, sure. but. Yeah, but but one of the things that's really important, and, and, and I have had this issue pretty much ever since I first heard about it, because, you know, the mind-body mm-hmm. split, it's like, okay, my mind is in my body most of the time. Sure. This idea that yeah. the brain is somehow disconnected from the body, um, mm-hmm. and, and you, and, and I know you, I mean, and you're talking about this right now, so how, how does trauma impact the brain and, you, you know, and then into these other, you know, mm-hmm conditions like, like cardiac issues or, or autoimmune mm-hmm. disorders or these, mm-hmm. these other things mm-hmm. that, that, you know, the brain and, and, and the thought process and the experiences are never even asked about. Yeah, so the brain's an interesting, yeah, the brain's an interesting one. That's a great question because, um, again, in my field, which is, is sometimes called the new traumatology because we're looking at trauma not just from a mental psychiatric Mm -hmm. perspective, we're looking at at the whole system. We're looking at the body. We're looking at the mind. We're looking at the physiology. We're looking at our connection to the environment. I haven't really mentioned that, but that is super important. Mm -hmm. Um, And if we even go one step further, our soul, like how we connect to deeper pieces in our universe that we can hardly explain. And the one, you know, the one thing that is known is that, again, in my field, is that the brain is to us still an end organ. So the brain is an end organ. I'll explain what that means. We need our brain, right? So if we have brain damage or if a piece is taken out, if we're born with a brain defect, there's going to be a struggle in, in right. the human system to a certain degree. And, and so we need to keep our brain healthy, but, but it's like the gut. It's like the cardiovascular system. It's like the endocrine system. It's, it's like, the lymphatic system, the immune system, it's still an organ within this, this whole organism that is a human, and it's impacted by stress physiology. And by okay. stress physiology, I mean that fight, flight, freeze, those autonomic nervous system elements mm-hmm. that go into attack, defense, or shutdown mode depending on our environmental circumstance. So the, the, the key chemicals of stress, I'll just name two of them, are adrenaline and cortisol. And uh-huh. we know that when someone is under chronic stress, if we think about that little kid again who's in an environment growing up that isn't safe, um, they are going to actually constantly be in threat. Their system's going to pump out a lot of cortisol. And uh-huh. cortisol over time, we need it in, in the right doses. Mm-hmm. to wake up and go to sleep, and that's another topic in itself. But <laughs> when it's excessive and when it's, when it's chronic, it actually um, is toxic to ourselves mm-hmm. and it's toxic to the brain. And one of the, the, the key um, uh, byproducts of chronic stress is memory loss. Our hippocampus, which is responsible for that, it, it shrinks. It, it literally is attacked by cortisol, and of course, I'm sure other parts of the brain are as well. And mm-hmm. so what, what we've seen or what I've seen in my work is that as you start to heal the stress physiology, as you start to teach someone how to 
really listen to those deep cellular responses at the body level, you start to dampen and lessen the, um, the, the degree at which we're secreting those chemicals into our right. bloodstream and the blood goes everywhere, right? The blood goes everywhere. Mm-hmm. And so as you start to decrease that and as you start to um, gain more foundation and regulation, the tissues in the body start to heal. There starts to be a better repair process and the brain is included within that process. Um, and so many people will say, wow, well, my, my symptoms in my gut aren't all gone, but I'm actually able to like read a whole chapter of a book. Or um, I don't, you know, my hormones are still figuring themselves out, but I'm noticing that I am more engaged with the world around me. I can orient and see it in a different way, Uh right? And those are all these higher level brain functions. They're also embedded deeply in us. And then the one last thing I'll say about the brain is that the nerves in our autonomic nervous system, there are more nerves that go from our brain or sorry, our gut our gut, I'm pointing to my own gut right now, that goes from <laughs> our gut to our brain than from our brain to our gut. So there's more pathways connected from our belly, like our organs, going uh-huh. up like a super highway to our brain. This is through something called the vagus nerve. And so that pathway is much stronger than actually the brain to the gut. It's 20% brain to gut and it's 80% of nerves going from the gut to the brain. And so that's why people, you know, say, oh, I've got this gut sense. I feel it in my mm-hmm. belly, you know, and, mm-hmm. and our decisions usually when we make them from a gut level and we can trust the gut are pretty darn accurate. Whereas mm-hmm. our intellect, it's good for some things. Like I want an engineer who's building the bridges around you know, <laughs> my home and to have right, a really yeah. smart intellect, you know, mm-hmm. And I also want them to have a gut level that's like, oh, something isn't right about this equation. I need to redo it. I need to redo it. So I think the the gut, the brain, the nervous system, they all connect, Leslie. And the trouble uh-huh. we get into or we've, we've gotten into is we've separated mm-hmm. them. Right? Absolutely. Yeah. Well, and so I we got to bring them together. I mean, I find this interesting because I know, I, I know that, and, and you probably have the, the history better than I do. But this, mm-hmm. this idea of more of the nerves and, you know, the 80-20 from the gut to the brain and the 20-80 mm-hmm. from the brain to the gut, that's a relatively new thing, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, it is. Yeah. It is. You know, it, it is in the way that we have uh, studied it at the scientific level. And I'm uh-huh. sure that, you know, there could even be something out there that says it's more going from the gut to the brain. But back in the day, you know, medicine, ancient medicine, mm-hmm. shamans, medicine men and women, witches, you know, all the people that, <laughs> that were persecuted for healing way, way back in the day, like they, they weren't thinking about intellect so much. They were feeling, they were sensing, right. they were connected to a, a greater energy that wasn't just thinking. Um, and thinking is important, right? We need it. But um, the human system, like I said a moment ago, we're more than just mammal. We also have this very deep connection to our cells, but also how those cells communicate outside of our body, right? Um, yeah. And, you Which, know, we've all had those... Yeah, it's hard for a lot of people yeah. to wrap their heads around. 
you know, especially mm-hmm. especially <laughs> in the West, especially the Western medical system, because yeah. it's, you know, and, 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 and I do, and I get this in my own house because I'm married to a scientist. And, mm-hmm. and, and, yeah. and so sometimes I'm having this conversation with him about, you know, and, and, it, and, and it's what I run into with a lot of, with a lot of people, men in general, who don't understand that emotional gut level. And, and for me, I think it's like anything. It's, it's, it's not mm-hmm. either or, it's both and. So we need to, we need to be aware that both, both sides of this exist and, and they both matter. And unfortunately, we need to wrap up for today. But <laughs> people, Irene's going to be back. But Irene, um, can you tell people where they can learn more about this because it is so important? Sure. Um, just really, if you want to start with the, my work, it's my, my, my name. It's Irene Lyon, like the town in France, dot com. Um, and all my information is there. Are so many resources, blogs, articles. Um, courses, programs, um, lots to keep you busy. My YouTube videos have been deemed binge-worthy, so I'll, I will <laughs> warn everyone. Um, but, yeah, that's, a, that's, a, that's the best way to learn more and just really start digging into this work and understanding it. Okay. Today's show has been a lot more scientific than most of my episodes, but I do think it's critical to understand the trauma phenomenon and how it can be impacting your life, your marriage, relationships, everything that goes on, even if you're not aware of it. So I hope you'll tune in to next week to hear more about it. And until then, stay loving. Stay loving.